Once again, it is our true honor and privilege to be able to assemble and to do some studying from God's Word. And we are working uh, through a little handout. And if you are here and uh, need one, Brother Sam is walking around um, with some. If you happen to be uh, listening in uh, this evening, we are glad that you're doing that, and I think you'll be able to keep up with the lesson, no problem, even uh, without a handout. Let's begin with prayer, and then we will get right to our lesson. Let us bow together. Gracious Lord, we know how good you are to us. Father, we're thankful for every good gift that comes from you up above. Lord, we're mindful of your love for us. And Father, we're mindful of the great gift of Jesus in our behalf. We are remembering also, Father, how important it is you have preserved your word for us. And we're grateful to have this time to be able to read and, and study and obey your word. Dear Lord, we are thankful for your church. We're thankful that it meets in so many places across this world. We pray you'd help us to always be servants in your kingdom. Lord, we ask that you would be with those that we know of who are having different uh, health uh, challenges. And Father, you know, their, you know their places in life. You know, their, you know their health. You know what they are going through. Oh Lord, we pray that you would especially bless uh, them at this time. Oh Lord, we pray that you would look down upon each of us and, and that you would um, forgive us when we fall short. We know we do, Father. We know, Father, we transgress and go against things that uh, you say not to do. Lord, we know also we, we come up short. We fail to do the very things that we ought to be doing. Oh Father, help us to examine ourselves. Help us to Look to Thee for guidance. Oh Lord, we're grateful for those present tonight at the end of a long day. We're thankful for all the efforts that are made toward building up this class, these classes tonight, and toward building up Your church. Lord, there are those among us who are traveling here and there, and we pray Lord, that they may have safe travel, that they may soon be back with us, if it be your holy will. Dear God, we're so grateful for the hope of eternal life. Father, more than anything, we want to be with you in heaven. Help us, Father, to rededicate ourselves to that tonight and, to, and every day. Father, help us to Share the good news of salvation with as many as possible. Be with us, we ask you, Father. As humbly as we know how, we ask you to be with us and guide us in this class. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you look on your sheet, you see this is a familiar topic to us, but one that we need to address. We have been addressing sin of late. Our last few meetings we have been touching on the sin of vain worship 
Or another word that is used often, Colossians 2, and 23, is the sin of will worship. And last Wednesday, we noticed uh, how that um, idolatry can be a modern uh, challenge, even to, to those of us trying to serve and follow our Lord. And also that there is great pressure on religious, religious groups these days to follow the um, anything goes ideal uh, for worshiping uh, God. And so we have uh, endeavored to uh, know how to refute that, but also to uh, be able to worship our God in truth and spirit. So tonight we're looking at the sin of unrighteous judgment. The sin of unrighteous judgment. We'll first begin by noticing a couple of scriptures. Matthew chapter 7 verse 1 of course comes to our mind. Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 7 beginning verse 1. Judge not that you be not judged, for with what judgment you judge you shall be judged. And with what measurement you mete out it will be measured to you again. Now James takes up this topic in James 4, verses 11 and 12, when he says, Speak not evil one of another, brothers. Brethren. For he that speaks evil of a brother, he will um, judge that brother. Okay. And so do not speak evil one of another, he says, or judge your brother. For he that speaks evil of his brother... Uh, speaks evil of the law and judges the law, he said. And so then it ends up, you, you don't uh, become a doer of the law, but rather a judge of the law. And then James 4 verse 12 says, There is but one lawgiver and judge, and that is, of course, he who is able to destroy and to save. And who, is you, who are you that would judge uh, your neighbor? And so Matthew 7 beginning in verse 1 and 2 and then James 4, 11, and 12 are two primary passages. Another one to consider is a long section there in Luke chapter 6, about verses 27 on down. And we may refer to that as well. Now, the word judge means to render a verdict. To render a verdict. And an excellent illustration of that is found in your Bible in Luke chapter 7. In verse 43, and you'll remember this, Jesus is visiting in the home of Simon the Pharisee. And Simon needs some help adjusting his thoughts about Christ. And so Jesus gives him a little story. He says a certain man had, uh, a certain lender had two debtors. One of the debtors owed him uh, 500 denarii and the other one 50 denarii. And when neither one of them could pay, the story says, when neither one of them could pay, then, then the lender forgave them both. And then Jesus asked the question to Simon. He says, now which of them is going to love the lender the most? And Simon answered and said, well, the one that had the greater debt. And Jesus, notice what he says in Luke 7:43. He says, you have judged rightly. You have judged rightly. And so, the word judge is to render, simply means to render a verdict. And so we're going to talk about, just a few minutes this evening, the sin of unrighteous uh, judgment. Brother Aaron, did you get a sheet?
cheek coming in? Okay. All right. To be able to talk about the sin of unrighteous judgment, we first must talk about the ability to rejoice in the command of Jesus to judge righteous judgment. So Roman numeral one there, we rejoice in the command to judge righteous judgment. And this is a command from Jesus. And the passage there is John 7, 24. John 7, 24. Notice the command there by Jesus. Judge righteous judgment. We have no choice in the matter. We must judge righteously. Now to judge righteously means that we judge all things based on the scripture. Based on divine uh, truth. And there are many, of course, passages along that line. I love to think of 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, where Paul says every scripture is inspired of God, and it is profitable for doctrine and for reproof and for correction and for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect or complete, thoroughly furnished unto every good work. And so everything that we do must be judged, must be measured by the Word of God, which is divine truth. You remember 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15, Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth. And so that's what it means to judge righteously. And let's look at uh, several things here. We have a Paul. Yes, I know, I know. Yeah. Well, let's come back to that. Let's run through some of this material and then we'll come back to that. But I've got it right here. And um, I'm not going to say I won't forget, but I probably won't. Let's run through some of this and then we'll come right back uh, to your question. All right, so to judge righteously... Uh, is important and we can take the word of God a part here we can take the word of God and discern between uh, good and evil good and evil or another in other words right and wrong we can take the word of God and discern uh, between good and evil and that is a way of judging righteously now you know the passage over in Hebrews 5 verses 11 through 14 where the apostle says we need to become skillful in the word of righteousness so that we can do this very thing, be able to discern between right and wrong, uh, good and evil. Uh, the problem is uh, when we get away from the word of right- righteousness, or when we are not skillful in the use of the word of, right- word of righteousness, then uh, we are not, um, we're not skillful in, in determining what is right and wrong. Isaiah mentions in Isaiah 5 and verse 20, woe to them that uh, put good for evil and evil for good, that put light for darkness and darkness for light, that put sweet for bitter and bitter for sweet. And that's why the world gets so many things wrong, because they're not close to the divine standard, the word of truth, and so they're getting things the very opposite of the way things really 
should be. And we must stay away from uh, the world's approach uh, to right and wrong, as you know. Okay? Now, the second part here on, on the B part, notice uh, we can take the word of truth and discern between what is true and false as well. And right here in Matthew 7, by the way, Jesus addresses this judgment of righteous judgment and judging unrighteously on the Sermon on the Mount. One of the key ideas with the Sermon on the Mount is found in Matthew 5 and verse 20 where Jesus says, Our righteousness should exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. Okay? So that's one of his main thrusts of the Sermon on the Mount. And part of that righteousness is to be able to judge uh, properly. Okay? Now, in Matthew chapter 7, verses 15 to 20, you remember J Jesus saying, Beware of false prophets who appear to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. And Jesus will go on to say, You shall know them by their fruits. And so we, we must judge in that way. We must take the word of God and be able to judge what is true and what is false. And there are many passages along this line that we won't uh, mention all of them. But you remember 1 John 4, uh, John says, be sure to try the spirits, for they're not all of God, uh, because there are many false prophets that have gone out into the world. And we could just multiply passages about uh, the apostles and Jesus warning us about false teaching. We have uh, stood right here and gathered together uh, several times in recent um, months and talked about ideals which are definitely not in according with the Word of God. They are false. At the end of 2019, we, we entered a, what I would call a lot of our cultural rot. Because that's all it is. It's cultural rot. It's, it's people going further and further away from God and uh, creating more and more evil, different forms of evil, nothing new under the sun, but sometimes new to us because our society hasn't seen it in a while. So we've, we've been right here on Wednesday evenings many times talking about um, all the corruptions in regard to the marriage relationship from transgender to divorce uh, to homosexuality and everything in uh, between. We've talked about the corruptions that come in regard to what God says about salvation of man. We've talked about the corruption in regard to uh, worship and other matters. So it hasn't been the case, it has not been the case that we do not address things which are wrong. We've done it here, we do it on Sundays from time to time as well. We do that because we have the word of truth and the Lord would have us to take those things that are coming at us from the world and judge and be able to turn away from that which is not right. So we can also... Here in C part, we can take the Word of God and discern between, and I hate to say it this way, but I don't know other way to say it, to discern between worthy and unworthy hearers of the gospel. But you know why I'm saying it this way, because of what Matthew 7 verse 6 said. And Jesus is still talking about judging when he gets down to Matthew 7 verse 6. And what does Matthew 7 verse 6 say? Cast not what? Now, give not that which is holy to the dogs and, and cast not your pearls before swine. So both dogs and uh, pigs uh, certainly would not be able to appreciate 
the value of those things which are valuable. And Jesus said, just take that and put it in a spiritual realm and, take, and put people in there. Not all people are alike. Uh, some folks do not have a, an interest in those things which are heavenly and spiritual. And we have to take the Word of God and seek to know who it is that may be most interested. And we have to, of course, uh, stay away from ourselves becoming hardened uh, to the Word of Truth. But that's what Jesus is asking us to do there in Matthew 7, verse 6. So we, we rejoice in the fact that we have the Word of Truth. So we can discern between right and wrong and true and false and be able to work our way to those who have a good and honest uh, heart. You remember Peter saying, 2 Peter 2.22, that those Christians who go back into the world are like, um, are like dogs returning to their vomit and like pigs that were once clean returning to their mire and mucking up in it. And so he's using this to show us that we must continue to have a fresh appreciation for the word of truth and rejoice in being able to use it to make decisions in life, but also realize there are some who will not have this interest and we must make the most of our time. So Matthew 7, uh, verse 6. One more here under judging righteously. We can take the word of truth and carefully and continuously and thoroughly examine ourselves. This is one of the main ideas here in Matthew 7, 1 through 5, Jesus' discussion of judgment, uh, to examine ourselves. He, you know, he says, first remove the beam or plank that's in your own eye, and then you can see clearly how to help somebody remove the speck that is out of their eye, Matthew 7, 3 through 5. And so it calls upon us to, to look at ourselves. The only way to examine ourselves is through the, the divine standard uh, itself, the word of truth. Okay. Now, so we see here that in noticing the sin of unrighteous uh, judgment, we first understand there are some things, there are some areas, many areas, where we have to make righteous judgment. Okay. But we also quickly want to notice what it means to be involved in unrighteous Judgment. So I have some blanks to fill in here. And I think as we do this, we'll be able to see what the Lord has in mind. And after we do this, we'll get right to Paul's uh, inquiry there. Okay, so how does it happen that we become involved in unrighteous uh, judgment? Let's go right to the A part. When our hearts become corrupt. When our hearts become corrupt. Right, here's the reason I say that. What is unrighteous judgment? What is Jesus condemning? What is James condemning? Well, they're condemning that, that harsh and um, hypercritical, mean-spirited, superficial, uh, unkind, self-righteous type of spirit. That's what they're condemning here. And that comes, as everything does, that comes from a corrupt heart. Jesus said in Matthew 12 and 34, uh, out of the abundance of the heart, what happens? The mouth speaks out of the abundance of the heart. So out of the abundance of the heart we speak, out of the abundance of the heart we think. Remember Philippians 4 verse 8 says, whatsoever things are true and whatsoever things are just and whatsoever things are honest 
and whatsoever things are pure, and whatsoever things are lovely, and whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, then think on these things, he says. And so how does it happen that someone gets involved in, in unrighteous judgment? Well, it begins with a corrupt heart. B part, uh, also it happens when, it, when judgment is based on outward appearance. Paul's referring to here from John 7, 24. When Jesus says judge righteous judgment, he first says do not judge according to appearance. This is one of the main faults of human beings is that we often judge because it's easier, it's quicker, we judge on appearance. Now we've read lately from 1 Samuel 16 verse 7 when God sent Samuel to the household of David and David's father's name was who? Jesse. And how many brothers did David have? Seven or eight? One of eight. One of eight. So, but none of David's older brothers was was going to be the one chosen, even though they would they were stronger and more experienced. But there was a little obscure fellow named uh, David out keeping the sheep, and that was the one God was choosing. And First Samuel sixteen seven, of course, says uh, God says to Samuel that the Lord does not look as uh, man looks. Man looks on the appearance. God looks on the heart. Now that's true, isn't it? Okay. But why is that in the Bible? Why is that in the Bible? It's, it's not in the Bible for us just to continue to judge based on appearance. It's in the Bible, Bible so that we'll become more like God. Okay. It is true that most people judge based on appearance. But God puts that in the Bible so that we become more like Him and judge righteous uh, judgment. All right. So, um, since we mentioned earlier the episode of Jesus at Simon's house, let's think about that for a minute. Uh, Luke 7, 36 and so forth. Let me ask you a couple questions about that. Um, what happened when Jesus came to uh, Simon's house? He was there to do what? What was he there to do? Okay, he was there to eat. Okay, and Jesus goes. And what happens while he eats? What happens during the? Okay, woman comes in. What does she do? Yeah, she anoints him. She washes his feet with her tears. And and why is she doing this? What what is there about her? Well, hmm. yeah, she, she's showing her gratitude for Jesus' forgiveness because she was a known sinner in the, in the community. She was a known sinner. Now, here's what Simon does. Simon looks at this situation and he quickly arrives at this fact that Jesus must not be a prophet because everybody knows this woman is a sinner and Jesus is associating with this woman, therefore he must be a non-prophet. Okay? He must not be who he claims to be. He must not be who everybody is saying that he is because of his association. So Simon quickly made a leap of logic there 
and landed on a wrong idea because he's just simply judging on appearance. So when we do that, we're always going to arrive at a faulty uh, situation. All right. So to judge unrighteous judgment, how does it happen? It happens when our hearts become corrupt. It happens when we base our judgments on outward appearance. C part, it happens when there's no or at least little self-examination. I come back to that because this is critical in Jesus' discussion about uh, judgment. You cannot make judgments first unless you have the divine truth, which we're thankful to have. But secondly, unless we're continually uh, examining ourselves, uh, we cannot make proper judgments. Galatians 6, you, you recall verse 1, if a, if a man is overtaken in a fault, you who are spiritual do what? Restore such a one. Restore such a one in a spirit of spirit of meekness. And consider yourself, you see, consider yourself, lest you also be tempted. And so even as we're trying to help somebody else, we're continuously uh, in the mode of examining ourselves. That is very, very uh, critical in our thoughts here uh, together. I want us to make sure we remember that. Romans 2, beginning in verse 1, Paul is condemning those Jews who are condemning others, but while they're condemning others, they're doing the very same sins. Okay. And uh, you can read that for yourself. Now, it may not be that we're doing the same sins as somebody else, but all of us have sin. And that causes us to be very slow and spiritual and cautious about our judgments of other people. And that's why we re-emphasize here uh, self-examination. All right, D part. When judgment is done without great concern and love for other people, then there's going to be this harsh, unkind, and critical, uh, superficial judgment that takes place. Okay. If we do not create and maintain a tremendous God-like love and concern for other people, their eternal soul, yes, but also their well-being in this life. If we don't have that concern, then we're always, always going to make the wrong judgments about people. Right here in Matthew 5, which is, of course, still the Sermon on the Mount, verses 43 to 47, you see that Jesus even says, love your enemies and do good to those that would persecute you. Well, if you're to do that, then of course... We are to have a tremendous concern, love, and compassion for everyone who is in our lives or who may become part of our lives. So this is just, uh, as you know, this is just a very critical matter. In Luke 6, I would love to spend some time in Luke 6, but it's my fault because when I don't get to things, it's my fault. You know? um, when you study, when you think about the Sermon on the Mount and all the principles that Jesus mentioned in the Sermon on the Mount, most of us just automatically think Matthew 5, 6, and 7, but there's a beautiful and even more elaborate discussion of some of these principles from the Sermon on the Mount in Luke 6, beginning verse 27, coming on down. Well, in Luke 6, 36, in the very context of this kind of discussion, Jesus says, 
You need to be merciful just as God has been merciful to you. And so, to keep us from becoming harsh, critical people, God says, you need to become more like God, more like me. Be merciful, kind, gracious, forgiving, just as I have been merciful and kind to you, loving to you, so you be to other uh, people as well. And so this is, and so when this is, when this is not done, then it leads to uh, this type of judgment we're trying to stay away from. And then the E part here. When judgment is done in an unbalanced manner, unbalanced, unbalanced. That's the picture Jesus is showing here, isn't he? He's saying, now you who have a plank coming out of your eye, you're trying to judge someone who has a speck of sawdust in their eye. Many scholars think that Jesus is using, he's using words out of his carpenter's background here, with a plank and a speck of dust. But you can see the unbalance of it. it it's not that, it's not that, um, it's not that we have an enormous amount of sin in order to be involved in this unrighteous judgment. Okay, we can become involved in unrighteous judgment even if we don't have an enormous amount of sin. Because we become unbalanced. Okay. In other words, isn't it somewhat true that when it comes to ourselves and those that belong to us, we are much more charitable about our opinions about ourselves and those around us. Okay. But we're free with our criticism toward those that we're just not as close to us. And that's something that Jesus is hitting on here. He said, you've got to be balanced in our uh, measurements of what people are doing. We like, to, um, we like to judge others based on their deeds, but we judge ourselves based on our good intentions. And it, and it just doesn't work that way. It shouldn't work that way. And so Jesus is saying, uh, be watchful about um, judging in an unbalanced manner. And then notice here the F part, uh, when judgment is done in a hasty manner, hasty manner, this gets us in trouble as well. I think about Judas coming back with those 30 pieces of silver there in Matthew 27. He's full of regret. He now knows he didn't think this thing through. He didn't. And uh, he says, he throws those, sil- those pieces of silver down at the priest's feet. And he says, I have sinned and that I, ha- and that I have betrayed innocent blood. And this can happen to us. We can become impulsive. Uh, lazy, uh, we can become um, hasty in decisions uh, that we make. Part of love, and I've been told this many times, many times. I tried to practice it uh, with my children. I still do. Part of love is time. You know, I think Jeff Jenkins is the first one I ever heard say that you spell love T-I-M-E. Well, before we make a judgment about a brother or sister or anyone or anybody, it would do us good to spend some time with them. See what their thoughts really are instead of making a superficial, hasty, impulsive judgment about somebody based on appearance. 
See where Jesus is going here? And then if you turn over on the back page, when our judgment is based on one's personal uh, thoughts instead of the God's righteous standard, and we've mentioned that already. And then the H part, when there is a desire to find fault. This goes back to a corrupt heart. But that's what Jesus is addressing there in Matthew 7, in verse 3 to 5. He says, you've got somebody looking for a fault in somebody else. You have to be looking pretty close to find a speck in somebody's eye. A speck of sawdust. And um, my old teacher at school, Brother Winkler, used to go around saying, the greatest fault of all faults is the fault of fault finding. And this is what Jesus is uh, condemning here. Okay, so before we get to the last part, let's go back to Paul's question. But what we've done right here is to show that we can rejoice in the fact that we can make righteous judgments. We can obey the command of Jesus. And we've given some illustrations of that. And then secondly, we say, well, how does it happen that even good people can fall into unrighteous judgment? And we've given some scenarios about that based on Scripture. Okay, this is not... You can see this with your own Bible here. This is not my idea. These are just little things that come out of Scripture. Now let's go back, Paul. Let's restate your question. I'll, I'll state it, and if, if I don't say it right, then you correct me. Now, we uh, are not to judge on appearance. Right? So how concerned should we be about how we appear to other people? Okay. So elaborate on that a little bit. How, con- how concerned should we be on how we look toward other people? Right. You know, have you got an example that's popping into your head? Not really. Um, well, I don't either. Um, but I kind of see what you're saying. Anybody want to take a jab at that? What Paul's saying? Okay, so you're saying that if somebody says, well, I'm not really concerned about what other people think, then that is something they shouldn't say? I'm thinking, me personally, if I have that opinion that they could be an error on my part because if somebody thinks of something of me that's not the way I want them to think, then maybe I'm putting something out there that I shouldn't be putting out. Okay. So should we be careful about our association if we can? So, What's popping up in my mind is going back to when I was first allowed to be out of the house with friends. Okay. And the place where my parents said not to be was the Big K parking lot on Highway 78. And it had in the parking lot was an attached McDonald's. That was a big deal. It was a big deal in our day. And so people would go there and they would just uh, take their loud cars and they would just circle that, that parking lot. When they got hungry, they'd go over to McDonald's. But then they'd just and some things happened in that scenario on Friday and Saturday nights that got around the parents. And so the threats that I received that went like this, if I ever hear of you being in that parking lot when you go out uh, with your cousins or whatever, then, then you just fill in the blank because my mother could come up with some 
really good um, descriptions of what's going to happen. Okay. So was she trying to teach us uh, to watch your steps because you might end up being a negative influence? Is this where you're going, Paul, being a negative influence based on appearance? Okay. So I think you, you do need to be careful, but I think it probably can be taken to an, too far and an extreme as well. So, um, So Aaron is saying that if somebody says, well, I don't really care what other people think about me, then probably that's, that's a heart problem with, with them. Uh, we do want our influence to be for good, for good. And we probably do need to be careful uh, to a point about, um, about maybe where we're at or what people see um, us doing. So you're coming at it from the standpoint of what Paul says in Galatians 1.10, that if he, if he strives to please men, he can't be a servant of God. So that's one thought in this discussion is you've got to do right. And then if somebody gets the wrong idea of you doing right, then you can't help that. you still got to do right. Um, an example of that would be that, uh, and Jesus run into this, we have to associate with sinners. Uh, to be able to help. And that's what this whole judgment discussion with Jesus is all about, is how do we help people? We, to help, we have to have that association. Jesus ran into that time and again. So, um, but I see your point. What do you think, Paul? What do you think is the balanced answer here? He's just going overboard. You know, they was praying long prayers or whatever. You know, praying for ladies out in the streets and stuff. Went overboard, I think. Yeah, the Pharisees definitely went overboard in trying to look the part. Okay, and Jesus would say, "Inwardly, you're full of dead men's bones." Right. So they went. Yeah. So, of course, the the ultimate. God is the, the Word of God. And that's, that's why we keep coming back to this. 
we, we do the Word of God, and we do it in humble, servant heart, and you're still going to get criticized. You can't stay away from criticism and all sorts of it. But nonetheless, we want to stay pure in our influence. So um, you wouldn't want to you wouldn't want to associate with a bunch of drunkards if you're not there to help a situation. You wouldn't just want to go there and hang out. That would hurt your Christian uh, influence. Okay, and I think that's what my parents were getting at in keeping us away from certain places. They knew. It wasn't good for us, but it also wasn't good for our uh, Christian influence as well. Galatians 6 1 covers all of this. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fall, he which is spiritual restore such one in a spirit of meekness, but he that considered thyself, lest thou also be tempted. So, as you try to help, watch yourself in the temptation. Okay. All right. Well, I don't know if we have tackled that. Brother Larry, you have something on, on Paul's um, well, theory? You know, Jesus said that we are to let our light so shine before men that they may see our good work, that they may see our good works and glorify God. And Paul tells us in Larry's expressing, you know, when we're baptized into Christ, we put on Christ, Galatians 3, 26-27. If we follow Christ and do as He did, then it will keep us in safety, relationship with God, and it will lead us to do the things we ought to do, but it won't keep us from criticism. It won't, won't ever be kept from criticism. In fact, the more you serve God, then the more criticism you will receive. But that has to be. That has to be. And, and Brother Paul, the world's going to get it wrong. So there is a little bit of discussion there about if you're trying to appease the world, when they're getting it wrong, they're getting it wrong, then your uh, efforts to do that is really in vain. Just, we seek to please God first. That's a good. That's a good question. I appreciate you bringing that out. All right. So we'll finish up this sheet here as we offer our invitation. Let's see what are we doing. Uh, what is the result of unrighteous judgment? That'll be easy to cover here in just a moment as we extend the invitation. I really appreciate you guys being in class and, and uh, working through this sheet and thinking about uh, the Lord's statements here. Um, Matthew 7, Luke 6, but also uh, James' writing. And James stays real close to the Sermon on the Mount in a lot of his writings, and that's very uh, interesting. Okay, we'll take a two or three minute break here. Thank you again.